Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast. And finally, the NFL has returned. Week one starts tomorrow, recording Wednesday, September 6th. The NFL kickoff game features the Detroit Lions visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. And to help me break down the the whole NFL week one slate is my old friend Dan Z. Dan, welcome back, brother. Yes. It's here, buddy. It's here. It's been seven months, but it's here. I know. It's been maybe the longest seven months of my entire life. It always feels that way, doesn't it? It does. And it goes by so fast. We'll be talking Super Bowl in no time. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it just always feels like football season flies by. Yeah, it was easier to put up with it the off season this year, I guess, even though it did feel extra long just because I've been into betting golf and that keeps me something to sweat uh or gives me something to sweat uh during the during the summer. So that's nice, but I mean, there's no it's not football. There's there's nothing better than betting on the NFL. No. NFL's game. Um, and we actually have a jam-packed show for you guys. We're going to go through all 16 games in the slate, Dan and I, and then I'm going to invite uh, in the homie from Fox News and Fox Business, Scott Martin. He's a financial uh, advisor, and uh, he has a, a an info math-based model that he uses to pick He's a underdogs. financial advisor. He should be advising against betting on the NFL, which is incredibly hard and generally a money-losing endeavor for most human beings. Well, he's got a model that helps him make money, apparently. Love so, that. Love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pick his brain about how to build this model. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get into it in this episode, but down the line, because I just write on legal pads what I think the final score is going to be, and I don't really have an, an Excel program to produce numbers for me. But um, Scott will come through later after me and Dan are done chopping it up and then going over our best bets for the slate and He'll uh, point us in the direction of who he thinks are barking dogs this week in week one. But let's start with the NFL kickoff game, which is, again, the Detroit Lions versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, This number has bounced back and forth, but currently it's at DraftKings minus five over under is 52. I wrote about this game earlier today. I have a couple bets um in the account but are you putting any action on the nfl opening game you know i probably won't just because i just want to watch football man like i don't want to i want to start the year and just like a nice positive note i'm just gonna sit watch some nfl football it's been too long um i also i don't really know what to do with this game i think coming off a super bowl victory obviously the chiefs are a little overvalued in the market but the Lions are also super overvalued in the market, which kind of makes this line a little weird. If anything, 
I like the under a little bit. I think 52 is extremely high. Um, I think people look at these teams and just think offense, and that's what it's going to be. And it could be, but the Chiefs really lack weapons. They've now got Travis Kelsey, who's a little banged up. Um, of course, Patrick Mahomes makes up for a lot of deficiencies, but I don't know. 52 points is a lot. I mean, Kansas City, though, without Chris Jones and most likely without Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey at worst, I'm sorry, at best, not at 100%. He, he might play, but he's not going to be 100%. We know that. It feels like Detroit's the side to be on, but I, it's a side I would stay away from. Like I said, I think if I were to do anything, I might lean towards the under here just because I think 52 is is extremely high. Okay. Um, the two plays that I gave out via outkick.com was under 52 and a half. I got that a little bit early. And um, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs money line in the third quarter. Um, they don't offer that at a lot of sports books, but they do at FanDuel and DraftKings. So you can get that there. Um, it's minus 152 at DraftKings, minus 144 at FanDuel. So what is that? At the end of the third quarter or third quarter scoring? Just the third quarter scoring. Gotcha. Because um, I stumbled upon a weird, uh, an interesting little stat when I was doing a deep dive into this game. Um, this is the sixth game uh, for the Chiefs with Mahomes starting week one. They're 5-0 and oh in those games, and they're outscoring opponents 54-0 to in the third quarter in those games. And there's been some comps of Mahomes and Steph Curry over the years. And the Golden State Warriors were famous during their championship run of just destroying teams after the third quarter, coming out of halftime with some in-game adjustments. And that feels pretty similar to how the Chiefs have beaten teams in recent years. They don't usually cover big numbers, uh, but they find a way to win. And and Pat Mahomes has over a dozen comebacks from down double digits. So I think the Lions get out to an early start, uh, out to an early lead, and I think the uh, Chiefs end up running them down. Um, but Any concern with the fact that you're putting a little bit of faith into a coin flip? Because who starts with the ball in the third quarter matters a great deal when you're betting third quarters. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there is some concern with that. But, I mean, if you were to bet the first quarter, that same type of – you have the same type of concerns of the first half, right? Well, I guess mostly the first quarter than the first half. But, yeah, it is a bit of a concern. But well, That's why I typically stay away from those types of markets. That's yeah. why I asked you to, to, to explain your position a little bit on it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely a concern. But I just look at the five games that they uh, – uh, the five-game sample size where they're outscoring opponents 54-0. I don't know how many times they started off with the ball. I probably should have clicked into those links and found that out. I don't think it's all five times, um, but yeah, uh, outside of that, though, I think the Chiefs are going to probably put it on them um, in the third quarter in the second half, even though I am also a little nervous betting the under and, and needing the, the Chiefs to put up some points in the third quarter when I'm going to be partially rooting for no points, right? So that's a concern, um, but I do think that the absence of Chris Jones is going to hurt. It's obviously going to hurt Kansas City's defense, which would concern you for the under. But I think because Kansas City's secondary is actually pretty good, the Lions are just going to run the ball up and down the field um, and maybe tighten up in the red zone. And they're going to there's going to be a lot of running clock and no Travis Kelsey for the for the Chiefs is going to hurt their uh, offensive efficiency and explosiveness. So those are two of the angles that I like for the under here. 
I don't know. Ready to move on to uh, the Sunday slate? Let's keep moving. All right, baby. Um, Set some records this year with our speed. Yeah, we got to pick it up because last year we would spend like two hours on these podcasts, which I love, but the audience probably uh, finds it a bit exhausting. That's part of the reason for the time codes. But let's go to the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Is that's actually a game I am excited to talk about because I do have money on it and it's going to be one of my circa contest picks. I'm taking the tight, uh, the Texans plus 10 might sprinkle a little bit on their plus 370 money line. Um, but as I talked about with you in the AFC South preview, I just squint really hard at this Houston Texans roster and I kind of like it. I think Will Anderson's going to be a difference maker on the defensive line. I think them adding Sheldon Rankins, um, and Jerry Hughes is, uh, is going to help out. Will Anderson put some vets in the line. Uh, Sheldon Rankins is specifically good at stopping the run or clogging up running lanes, and that's really what the Houston, Z- Houston defense needs. Um, and I think Domenico Ryans, the new head coach, is going to do a pretty good job. It's more of a gut play, um, just my feeling on the Houston Texans alone, but Baltimore's defense is weak at premium spots. They were... 26 in pressure rate last year and thin. They have a thin secondary outside of Marlon Humphrey. And Marlon Humphrey actually had a foot surgery like a month ago. So I don't even know if he's going to be 100% for this game. 10 points, obviously a lot to cover, especially when you have a new offensive coordinator who's going to go with a brand new offensive attack, allegedly. So I like the Texans plus the points. Do you have any pushback on that one? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I respect your analysis entirely. Um, I don't. I, I like Baltimore as a as a possible survivor pick. Like, I don't think they're going to have much trouble winning this game. Um, I think they've won like four straight week one matchups. I certainly trust Harbaugh in his fifteenth week one over D'Amico Ryan's, who I think will be a good coach. But you know, tough spot uh, rookie. Rookie quarterback, rookie coach going against a veteran coach and a veteran quarterback on the road is it's just a tough spot. Uh, that being said, I also wouldn't lay 10 points in week one with any team. I just don't think there's – we don't have enough information for me to ever lay 10 points in week one. But one, I, one prop I actually do like if I were to lay some money on this game is I like JK Dobbins over his rushing prop. It's only 55 and a half. Dobbins is crazy efficient. has been his entire career. He, he averages like six yards a carry, which isn't a great stat and he hasn't played a ton. I get it, but Houston's run defense is let's say not good. And 55 and a half is a relatively low number with Dobbins averaging six yards a carry. He really only needs to see 10 to 12 carries to hit that. I think Baltimore is going to be ahead. I think despite all the talk about, Oh, we're going to pat Lamar is going to pass for 6,000 yards. This, this team knows where it's bread is buttered. That's on the ground. Um, I like JK Dobbins to go over in week one. All right. Yeah. I don't hate that analysis. I do hope that they get a little lost in the sauce of their offensive coordinator and throw it too much because I prefer Lamar Jackson throwing it than running it. I mean, the Texans allowed 125-plus rushing yards in 15 of 17 games last year. I mean, that's – and that's just that if you move the threshold to 125, you go to 150, they allowed 10 teams to reach 150 yards on the ground. And we only need 56 out of Dobbins. He doesn't have a ton of competition 
for touches, I mean, you know, Gus Edwards is kind of always there, but, you know, we know what Gus Edwards is. J.K. Dobbins has an incredible athletic profile that was supposed to mean great things, but he's had injury trouble. Well, while I'm a big fan of Dobbins and I think he's a great fantasy pick this year, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one game in week one where he's healthy. So I think he's going to see at least 12 to 15 carries, and that's why I think 56 yards is is a lock. I don't hate it. I don't got much pushback, but uh, or really any pushback. But hey, good luck to you. Hopefully, we both cash in this game. Um, a game that you and I see differently is I'm going to say it. I'm going to say your Minnesota Vikings hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Vikings are now six point favorites. Total sitting at forty five and a half. If you guys listen to this podcast, you know how Dan feels about the Vikings. So us, uh, me being opposite, obviously, you see um, where I um, I'm going to put my money in I mean, listen to the podcast, game. read anything I write, sit on our editorial calls, talk to my wife. Like, if you know anything about me, you know that I am a huge Kirk Cousins stan, and that leads to, let's shall we say, over-exuberance for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, you – Push back in the market, um, thinking that there's going to be a regression in store for the the Minnesota Vikings this year, which is yeah, something. I, just, I think that narrative is really overblown. I don't. I mean, they won 13 games last year. I get it. One awesome in one score games. Everyone assumes that's going to turn around. Um, but is it? Mm-hmm. You think so? I, I I mean, it almost has to, right? The guy had eight game-winning drives and eight fourth-quarter comebacks. That is not a sustainable way of winning. And I It do... is when you're Kirk Cousins, baby. <laughs> hey, again. Stones we, of steel. We talked about this in the NFC North preview. A lot of the reason I used to hate on Kirk Cousins and still kind of do is the fact that he couldn't pull out those close games. So him doing that last year isn't that much of a negative in my opinion. Why, where I see value in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year is, or in this game, excuse me, is outside of quarterback and wide receiver, I think they're better at pretty much every position than the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and even wide receiver is tough. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, best in the business. And I like Jordan Addison, their first-round pick. But Mike Evans is going for, what, his 10,000-yard season. Chris Godwin's a beast. So it's not like the Bucks have chumps catching the ball. Baker Mayfield certainly a chump, right? He's probably not going to be the starting quarterback next year. He might not even finish, probably won't even finish the season as a starting quarterback, but this Minnesota Vikings defense is trash, dude. They gave up the fifth most points per game last year and the fourth most yards per play. They didn't make any upgrades on their defense, on the defensive side of the ball uh, outside of hiring defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, who I actually love. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Brian Flores fan. I think, if he stays there, eventually their defense is going to improve. Hell, it might improve to a league average by the end of the year. But I think the Bucks can move the ball on them. Uh, the Vikings this year—they were the most unpopular team in the betting market this offseason. I would—I would gather um, one of um, at least the Bucks are. So no one's going to be betting the Bucks. It's going to be a position where I get to fade the the public and get on the same side as the sports books. And again, I do I. Th- I do think I, I have a team that's ultimately more talented if you go um, position by position or player by player throughout the roster. So that's where I'm at. I'm taking the points with the uh, the Bucks. Is this our 
Are we betting this game? Are we still doing that, or are we not doing that anymore? Yeah, why not? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I can edit this out if you, uh, <laughs> if you don't, don't want to. Any... <laughs> Live to tape, baby. <laughs> All right, cool. So first, Dan versus uh, Jeff bet of the year is week one, Bucks versus Vikings. Uh, let's go to a game I don't wait, wait, think. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't even get to defend my point. Oh, I thought you were done. My bad. Keep going. Or re re uh what's your what's your what's your cross examination or your counter? My pushback here is that I think the Vikings are better on both the offensive and defensive line. Like you said, pound for pound, they're better everywhere. I don't think that's true. And I think the Minnesota offensive line is gonna absolutely bully the Tampa defensive line. And then you sort of glossed over, like, well, you know, they're only better at two spots. Well, one of those spots is quarterback. And that's a pretty damn big deal. And I, again, you also glossed over like, oh, they're they're slightly better at wide receiver. Like, come on, dude. Justin Jefferson's arguably the best athlete in the entire uh, in the entire league. Yes, I have questions about the Minnesota defense, but they drafted a a safety last year, Louis Cena, and he was hurt. He'll be healthy this year. That's a big upgrade. They brought in Marcus Davenport. They still have Daniil Hunter. I think the pass rush will do enough. The secondary should be improved this season just because they really can't play any worse. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I get it. They didn't, we all wanted them to massively overhaul their defensive unit. They didn't. However, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them to take a slight step forward with what they did do and getting a little healthier and bringing in Brian Flores, I think is a massive upgrade and a huge difference maker for them. So I'm all in on the Vikings again this year. I think they're going to win the NFC North. I think it's crazy that the Lions are so heavily favored over them. And I think they should be greater than a touchdown favorite against what could be one of the worst teams in the league this year. At home. Um, the defensive line for the Bucks is actually pretty good. Vita Vea, elite um, defensive tackle, pass rushing defensive tackle at that. They used a first-round pick on uh, a kid Clancy from Pittsburgh. Um, they have... They used a first-round pick a couple years ago on Tryon Shinokia, who, not that good, but still has some talent worth. Yeah, but, like, exactly. He hasn't done anything. Like, you're, you're talking about a, a former first-round pick who hasn't done anything. You're talking about a guy who was drafted this year with a lot of hype, but he's a rookie playing defensive tackle in the NFL for the first game against what is a really bullish Minnesota offensive line with bookend tackles in Christian Derrissaw and Ed o uh, Brian O'Neill, Ed O'Neill, the actor. Wow. Um, Ezra Cleveland is a solid guard. Garrett Bradbury, solid. Like, they're, they're solid everywhere. I, yeah. But, I, I, but they have I'm a not, below average pass rush or pass blocking and run blocking win rate on ESPN. Going to trust ESPN analytics now? Come on. <laughs> Get that. Don't ever bring that up again. Fair enough. How about Shaquille Barrett? He's a former uh, All-Pro defensive or uh, pass rusher. He's gotten eighteen and a half sacks uh, recently. So you don't yeah, think he's all right? <laughs> all right. Fair enough. But uh, like him and like him and Daniil Hunter to me, like that's kind of a wash. Like, is he that much better than Daniil Hunter? I don't think so. I would argue Hunter's better. In fact, uh, I like Daniil Hunter, so I'm not going to badmouth him. But Levante David linebacker one of the best in the business not defensive line no i'm just saying i'm I, now i'm backing up and looking at the defensive and whole like you're saying minnesota's defense takes a step forward you're high in kirk cousins so do you think the vikings win more than 13 games uh no what i think is that 
I don't disagree with the community that regret like it's impossible for them to go eleven and zero in one score games again. So I do think there's going to be regression. I think the idea that they're going to regress five or six games though is absurd. That's fair. We'll see. Um, I think Baker Mayfield ends up um, not the starter in Tampa Bay, but he could have a few good games early on, especially against the Minnesota Vikings defense, which wasn't very good. But we'll see. Do you have a player prop for this game? I do. I also like TJ Hawkinson to go over his receiving total, which is – hold on. Let me make sure I write what I – do you have it in front of you? I forget what the number was exactly because it's changed. Uh, 47 and a half. TJ Hawkinson over 47 and a half. If you look at what he did towards the end of last season, this has less to do with yardage and just more to do with targets. He averaged 11 targets over his final five games. Uh, if you throw out week 18 where he and the starters only played a half because the Vikings had clinched anyway. And in the playoff game where it mattered the most, Hawkinson had 11 targets. Cousins likes to target TJ Hawkinson. They just paid him to make him the most valuable uh, tight end in the entire NFL. They didn't pay him all that money to not get him the football. Um, I think 47 and a half is extremely low. Tampa Bay allowed tight ends to average over 50 yards receiving. And again, in their one playoff game last year, Dalton Schultz caught seven passes for 95 yards. TJ Hawkinson is better than Dalton Schultz. I like him to go over his uh, prop in week one. All right. Um, the only concern I have for that is Levante David and the safety tandem, which is pretty good for Tampa Bay and healthy. But I do think TJ Hawkinson isn't going to get a lot of love in that offense. And Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of attention from other defenses. So that might give some one-on-one matchups for TJ Hawkinson. So I don't hate it, buddy. Good luck. Next game here. Um, neither one of us. Well, I guess I won't speak for you. I don't have any money on this game and, don't uh, plan on putting any money on this game, but the Jacksonville Jaguars visit AFC South co-tenant Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Jaguars are five-point favorites, total sitting at 45 and a half. I'm going to be brief on this. Um, I've cooled on the Jaguars since the uh, the end of last year. I do think they uh, have a legitimate chance to win the division. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Doug Peterson, but that defense didn't show me much last year and I hate the Colts. I think they're going to be terrible, but I almost feel like I have a bias coming into it. So I don't want to bet a road favorite in division week one, because those are typically not very profitable. And I'll talk about that more in a second. Yeah, I would agree with all that. If anything, I might lean towards the under here too. 45 and a half suggests it should be a relatively high scoring game. I don't think that's true. Um, I think the Colts, despite missing Jonathan Taylor, are going to run the ball a lot, whether it's with Richardson or if Zach Moss plays or Deion Jackson. I think they're going to try to slow this game down. It's what you do when you're a bad team. If you're if you're outmatched by the other team, the best thing you can do is limit plays and limit possessions. Um, I think the Colts are smart enough to know that they're, on paper, less talented than Jacksonville. So I have a slight lean towards the under just on a, in a very slow paced potential game or a game where the Jaguars get up big and then they just lean on the, on the ground game. So, but again, that's not an official play and and not something. And I I'm with you. I'm staying away from this spread entirely. I hate it. Yeah. The Colts were surprisingly average on defense last year. The problem was turnovers and the quarterback position. So um, I think they could maybe get the Jaguars off the field and play some, uh, 
play some ball control. So I don't know. Yeah. That. And the, the idea that the Jaguars are just going to come out and, and put up a ton of points, like, and, and this is where I'm, and we talked about this during our previews, why I'm sort of on Tennessee, like their offensive line was a disaster last year and they didn't really do a ton to make it a lot better. So I, I, they're really they're. I mean, if you're going to make fun of me, if anyone is going to rip on my Vikings pick by saying like, Oh, they're just going to play better. And then tells me that they love the Jaguars this year. We have to have a conversation about the they just have to play better because you're essentially counting on their offensive line just playing better. Yeah, I mean, didn't they lose talent? I mean, Jawan Taylor went to the 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 Kansas City Chiefs. I don't even know if he's talent, but he started for them. And isn't Cam Robinson suspended for the first four games or out for the first four games? He is, and then they 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 used a first round pick on on Anton Harrison, which again, fine, he might be good, but he's a rookie starting in the NFL week one like you know there's going to be some growing pains yeah and Indy does have a sneaky good defensive line or yeah I would say above average defensive line so we kind of see that game similarly I wonder how you're going to see this game because I placed a teaser on it um last week just being super excited that football season was here and getting the home dog of the Pittsburgh Steelers who are currently what are they? Oh, plus two um, at home hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Is this a complete stay away from you for you, or do you like any, any side in this game? Yeah, the problem with this game is it's two teams that I kind of like a lot. Um, but, man, what did you tease it to? Eight and a half? I got it up to eight and a half, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think Pittsburgh definitely stays in this game. Um, Mike Tomlin at home, week one. He's one of the best coaches in the league. But going against Shanahan, who I also view as one of the best coaches in the league. This is a game I'm very much looking forward to watching. But I I just really haven't. I can't pick a side here. I just can't. I just want to watch it. This is a, this is one of those games, though, that's going to give me, I think, a lot of information about both of these teams uh, that I'm going to use moving forward. So this is one that I might use more for research purposes than trying to get out on it right now. Yeah, and I think everyone's excited and interested to see what these two second-year quarterbacks have um, or how they look. I think, Pick- I think Pickett's going to be good this year. I think, I mean, this is a tough first game, though, to go – and play San Francisco, and Nick Bosa just got paid today, so he's going to be out there. Um, I didn't think that was ever really in danger. But that's a tough first spot for Pickett, but, man, the kid's got moxie. He burned me a few times last year with games I thought I had won betting against the Steelers um, before he led them on game-winning drives at the end. So, yeah, I, I, these are two teams that I like a lot this season, so I'm, I'm more interested to watch this game and and gather knowledge from it that I am that I'm worried about placing a bet right now on top of my personal circuit millions uh entry I'm doing one with my brother and he really likes Steelers and I lean to the Steelers and we're doing some sort of like um pick grading system or like we put in like we have like a meter of our confidence and because he's super confident in that one I think that's gonna end up on our picks um so I'm going to end up with some sort of a Steelers exposure, at least in the contest itself. But, you know, I think the uh, the offseason for Mike Tomlin to prepare for Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy 
coming back down to earth are two of the reasons why I leaned to the Steelers at two um, and loved them when I teased them up at plus eight and a half. But, um, the next game that we have here is the Arizona Cardinals, which are by all accounts tanking, playing the Washington Commanders, who have uh, recently gotten rid of Daniel Snyder and are starting Sam Howell in what could be Ron Rivera's final season. He's on the hot seat entering this year. Um, Outside of maybe a survivor pool pick, do you see yourself betting this game at all? Yeah, I did. Woo-woo-woo. What do you got? I like the under. I don't think there's a number you could have put on the board that was low enough for this game. Not even 38? Because <laughs> no. that's low. I know, and it's such a that's why I love it. Because it's in trying they're desperately trying to get people to bet the over in this game. Like, look at 38. How can an NFL game go under 38? Yeah. This NFL game is going under 38. That's like tropical storm total right there. That's like blizzard total. I don't know that the Cardinals can score, like at all. I mean, they're probably going to start Josh Dobbs, who has two career NFL starts in six seasons. Both of them came last year with Tennessee, which last year's Tennessee offense is kind of a decent comp for this year's Arizona offense, although probably better because they had Derrick Henry. And they scored 13 points and 16 points in those two games. So I can't see Arizona scoring more than 13 points, which means... You know, that puts Washington at needing to score 26 to hit the over, which I think Sam Howell is going to be okay this season. I think the commanders are going to be okay this season. Um, But I just can't see the Cardinals scoring more than 13 points. And then I think Washington is probably going to lean on its ground game because, again, you've got a rookie quarterback. The one thing you have to avoid in this game, you're going into a matchup where you're heavily favored. You should be heavily favored. You're at home against the worst team in the NFL. Ron Rivera's coaching for his job there. I believe it's going to be a very conservative game plan. Run the ball. Don't let Sam Howell make the big mistake that could cost you. That's why I won't bet the, the, the side either. Cause I'm certainly not betting the Cardinals plus the points. And I can't, I'm not taking a minus seven in a under 38 scenario. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I like this as like a 20 to 13 game at most. And yeah, I'm on the under. Uh, I consider teasing the Commanders because pretty much like you just said, like I don't see how the Cardinals score in this game. They got a new head coach who was defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, it's outside of that, it's even worse when you look at the roster and the personnel, at least offensively. Um, I don't even know much about the Cardinals' defense, but I know Washington's defense is pretty sick. Ron Rivera is also uh, a defensive coach, so. I think both teams are probably going to be running the ball a lot here. And, you know, that's probably the friendliest thing for unders outside of uh, failed fourth down attempts. Um, so, Those are, Well, it depends where they happen, but, yeah, you're right. For sure. I mean, how, how often are fourth down attempts and the other, like where you leave your, your opponent the scoring position. But either way, I have nothing on this game. Um, 38 is a – Short number, but like you said, the sports books are screaming bet the over here. They're trying to get over money, but don't do it. They're not getting it from me, and you're hitting the under. Um, you ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. We just mentioned this team. Uh, I think outside of the, um, if you remove rookie head coaches. This game has the biggest head coaching mismatch all week, but the Tennessee Titans get three points when they visit the New Orleans uh, Saints. I almost called them the Pelicans. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. I've seen some three and a halfs floating around, and I'm hoping the Circa, their contest line's three and a half, because I love it at three and a half, and I like slash lean towards the Titans at plus three. Um, but what do you what do you have in this game, if anything at all? I'm on the same side as you here. Um, this is just another one of those where I'm higher on Tennessee than the market. Um, I don't think the Saints really got any better in the offseason. I mean, sure, Derek Carr is a upgrade over whatever the hell they had last year. But, like, they're just – they don't really have anything. Like, their offense – has no playmakers on it. Like Derek Carr is coming from at least throwing to Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. Like Chris Olave is solid. I think he's a little overrated if I'm being honest. You know, Michael Thomas, like who the hell knows what you're going to get from him. Kamara's out for the first three games. I, I just don't see why the Saints are getting so much love. And you mentioned it, Dennis Allen is a terrible head coach. So I I, I think this I think it's just a, a battle of a team that's underrated versus a team that's a little overrated. So give me the points. Oh, I, I actually really like what you said there and the way you put it. Tennessee was seven and three straight up, eight and two against the spread last week before they got just two in or last year before they got two injured. They were trending to somehow making the playoffs and having a home game in the in the first round again. They're the team that had to start Josh Dobbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this kind of feels like I don't want to put too much stock into these type of opinions. I'm trying to get out of this, but this does feel like another situation where the sports books are begging for Saints money. I mean, Saints only three, even three and a half is a short number for how good of a home team they traditionally are. The Saints are plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl with a nine and a half win total. Tennessee's plus 8,000 with a seven and a half win total, yet New Orleans only minus three at home. So I think the sports books are trying to get New Orleans money. Um, I am a little nervous that it's just it is a good number. Like it's a fair, it is a fair price. It's hard to see value, but again, I kind of like like you said, like I, I I teed up in the beginning. It's just like the head coaching mismatch is too glaring to overlook. And Dennis Allen's twenty three games below five hundred. You say Derek Carr is a huge upgrade, maybe, but he's only had two winning seasons in nine years. I mean, he's Dennis, not a huge upgrade. That's what I'm saying. Like he is an upgrade yeah. because they had Andy Dalton and James Winston, but he's not a massive upgrade. Like his contract is big, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the Saints are going to win double digit games this year. And even if they do have a good season, this is they have an easy schedule. This is one of the tougher teams on their schedule, and they're getting a fully healthy Titans team who, when fully healthy, is a great underdog. So. And give me give me Tannehill over Derek Carr, by the way, all day long. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like Tannehill. Um, I, I like Derek Carr as well, but I, I much prefer Tannehill. 
Um, next game, uh, I believe we're oppo on, or maybe you just lean it. I'm a little confused, but an AFC North divisional matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals are two and a half point favorites as they visit the Cleveland Browns. Um, I picked the Cleveland Browns to win. See, the Super as much Bowl shit as you gave me to start this about like, oh, Dan is like a Vikings fan or whatever speech you gave, like that's you and the Browns. Like you have been all about the Browns pretty much since we started doing this, like going back to last year, like you were convinced they were way better than they were. You thought Deshaun Watson was going to like come back and be great. You bet on the Browns a lot and now you're taking them to win the Super Bowl. And I knew you were going to be on them in week one. So I feel like the Browns are, are your Vikings. I think that's fair. Uh, Deshaun Watson's definitely my Kirk cousins. I didn't bet the Browns that much because I'm not a Jacoby Brissett guy. Um, although, the Cleveland offense wasn't their issue last year. Um, but I definitely did bet some money on, on the Cleveland Browns when they got Deshaun Watson back. And I, I think I'm buying low stock on Deshaun Watson. He was absolute trash in the six games he played last year. To be honest, I'm just throwing all that out the window and we'll know, um, at some point this season, if that was a mistake or not, but over the last 10 years, home underdogs in division games, a week one are 15 and two against the spread. That's a big number. And Back the Colts, coward. No, nah, I can't do that. I think, <laughs> dude, I bet alternate un, alternate four and a half uh, under Back, four and a half wins for the, the Colts. Colts. No way. Back no the way. Colts, no coward. Um, Burrow also struggles against the Browns. Dude, he's one and four straight up against this team, and he they've obviously Burrow's always provided the Bengals a coach uh, a quarterback uh, mismatch. Miles Garrett's got eight sacks in those five games. I like how Cleveland's front office built their defense. They clearly did it with Burrow in mind. They have, if healthy, three good cornerbacks and just just a good secondary. And there is like potential for a slow start here with with Joe Burrow. He missed a lot of practice time this off season with a calf injury. He missed a lot of practice time last off season um, with an appendix removal. They started out zero and two last year. One game they were the first game they were hosting the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, who had Mitch Trubisky I think starting under center, and then the next they played the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott. So I do think, granted, both those defenses are pretty good, but I do think um, there is a slow start potential, and I just I'm just high on the Browns coming into this year. But you did say they are my Minnesota Vikings, or Deshaun Watson's my Kirk Cousins. However you want to phrase that. Please do not ever put my boy Captain Kirk in the same sentence as the alleged rapist Deshaun Watson. First of all, let's just get that out of the way. Alleged um, sexual harasser. It it went a bit beyond harassment, but all right. If you wanna if you wanna be the guy who starts drilling down on uh, what exactly happened in those massage rooms, you know, be my guest. I'd love to see a feature on Outkick that Deshaun Watson never really did anything against the law. Um, the look, the spread's two and a half, which means you basically you think the Browns are going to win the game. I don't think there's any chance the Browns are going to win this football game. Uh, the Bengals are just way better, and I see no reason to believe they're not going to win in week one. They're going to win this division, and they're probably going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. So, do you want to bet this one as well? Yeah, give me the Bengals. All right, baby. 
second bet between me and Dan. I love it. We're getting some action here week one. It's a, run, it's a running tally, by the way. All right. Do you want to agree in case this gets really bad one way or the other? If one of us goes up or down $500, we send a check or we send the uh, the payment at that point? Or would you want to fire out of a $500 hole? I'm down. I'll go, I'll go either way you want. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about it off the air. <laughs> all right, fair enough. But running tally. Um, all right, next game, NFC South matchup between the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. I got to be honest, I was ready to pull the trigger on the Panthers sometime in the summer. Um, right now they're three and a half, and I was ready to pull the trigger on th- at three. But their new head coach, Frank Reich, has historically sucked in week one. The football hipster community loves the Atlanta Falcons so much so that I'm starting to question my own analysis on there and like just trying to like wonder what am I missing with this team? And then the Panthers, their 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 weapons um, that they surrounded Bryce Young with are are below average. I have a heavy lean to the Carolina Panthers, but not going to go to the window on it. Uh, what are you thinking? I think it's I think Atlanta could be the team this year where no matter what happens, like the nerd community is in and it just never matches on the field. That's the vibes they're giving me. Like you're talking about the hipster community, the nerd community. They love this football team. I don't get it. I, I, I I don't really get it either. Um, you know, they, I, I honestly feel like it's like the skill players, right? Like I don't think Drake London is all that great. I didn't love him as a prop. I I don't get it. I didn't love him as a prospect. I thought it was a huge reach for him to be the first one off the board, especially ahead of Garrett Wilson. And you could say that's hindsight. I wrote that. I'm on public saying that. I can't believe Drake London was the first receiver off the board in that draft. I think that was a massive mistake. I think the Falcons are bad at drafting. I think that's what we've learned over the last few years. Um, I love Bijan Robinson, the player. I think this was a terrible fit. Mac Collins is their number two, which is insane. Kyle Pitts was a huge disappointment last year. You know, their offensive line is good, but like Desmond Ritter, I, yeah, man, I, I don't, I just, I really don't see it. Like, I love the Jesse Bates edition, no. I, I, but otherwise, I, this is a very average team with a potentially bad quarterback, which is a recipe for a really terrible season. Yeah, I'm not high on Drake London. I, I have... I loved Kyle Pitts coming out of college, but I can't defend him anymore. Uh, I mean, especially with Desmond Ritter throwing him the ball. All these same people that are into the Atlanta Falcons are also people that will point out that the running back position has been devalued. And most people agree to that. I I, I have to tap out on that and agree that I'm kind of a running back truther. But, like, with all the holes that the Atlanta Falcons had, them drafting Bijan Robinson is nuts. And then for the same people that would usually knock that to be like, you know what? I think this team has a chance to win the NFC or win double digit games is frankly insane to me. Um, I think it's honestly, people are looking at the, so, you know, every year we're, we're all trying to find that team that surprises you. And the easiest thing to do is honestly to look at a division and go like, well, what division could they realistically come out of? Right. They're not going to come out of the AFC West, probably, because you've got the Chiefs at the top, and the Chargers are definitely the next best team there. Um, I think the divisions that you kind of look at, and this is what we're seeing, are the NFC North, which is why I think the Lions are getting so much hype, and why you'll even see people <clears throat> pick the Packers 
Um, and then you look at, at this division, the NFC South, it's another one where it's, it's pretty wide open. Um, and I think, I mean, look, I can't hate on it cause that's kind of what I did. And I picked the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to be that surprise team. Um, so I can see why this division was targeted. I just think people landed on the wrong team and it, they landed on Atlanta and they should have landed on Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you. Both uh, both of us picked the Panthers preseason with the NFC South. Um, going over to a intercon. Oh, oh, yeah. Just uh, the last thing I wanted to say on this is the only reason. I mean, I, I say all that, and then you go, "Okay, Dan. Then what the hell are you doing? How come you're not uh, banging down the window to to get your money on the Panthers?" I just it's just really hard to back a rookie quarterback in his first in a week one start on the road. Like, that's just the only – and I like Bryce Young, and I think Carolina is going to be good. I worry about I worry about week one with a rookie on the road. That's all. Yep. Yep. And he doesn't – his wide receivers really aren't that good. Like, Adam no, Thielen's reliable, but that's the best you can say about that whole crew. Um, going over to an interconference matchup, the defending NFC champion – Philadelphia Eagles head to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. The Eagles are only four-point favorites. This one is another game that could end up on me and my brother's circa million card. I don't want to bet. I, I'm I, Initially, I was nervous about fading the Patriots at home, especially week one. You know, Belichick, the hoodie, they could have a good defense. I do think this team this team is trash, though. I think Mac Jones is a backup quarterback, and I think injuries could end up slowing down the Eagles, or maybe, um, yeah, mostly injuries or, or all the defensive um, pieces that they lost. But I think Week One they're going to come out and just put it on the Patriots. So right but now, this call this it a feel lean. like such a trash. I mean, such a trap line, and it's actually going. Like it was four and a half or five, and it's now four. I I don't know something. I'm just like something about this line just feels like it's not right. No, I hear you, but I do think there are enough major sports person sports personalities that are going to talk about the Patriots, give out the Patriots, right? Like Simmons, Portnoy. These are big Patriot fans who people actually listen to, and they might indirectly move the market and bill belichick is the greatest coach ever so he's still you know he's still dining off of his tom brady years and people see four point underdog he's had months to prepare and it does kind of make sense to me you know the line yeah i Um, I can i can at least rationalize the number being as low as it is yeah Um, i think you're right about the the bell like the trust in belichick as a home underdog in week one being over, a little overrated. Yeah. But um I don't have much analysis behind that or aside from that. I just think Mac Jones sucks. I think this this Patriots defense is overrated. We've seen them get bullied by teams that were pretty good. I mean, not even that Justin Fields and the Bears sucked last year and they crushed the Patriots. They crushed the Patriots and I just think the the Eagles are going to have their way against the Patriots' defense, and I don't think the Patriots can keep up, honestly. So that's where I'm at. Uh, next game, me and one of our off season bets are going to be uh, 
uh, are going to play out here in week one. I have Cooper Cup to have more receiving yards than DK Metcalf, and that's not looking good right now because Cooper <laughs> I Cup. I was going to say, you said they're going to play in week one, but uh, are they going to play in week one? <laughs> one? One of them's going to play, and I mean, it's the guy DK you DK Metcalf's going to play for sure. Yeah, yeah he's not uh, on the injury report with, I think, what is it, a hamstring issue that Cooper Cup has, which – everyone knows is not lingering at all and won't it won't affect him the entire season so i'm sure especially he'll be fine guy, especially not a guy like cooper cup who's been the picture of health for his entire career <laughs> he'll quickly bounce back i wonder what my line value would be on that one probably not strong but rams at the seahawks rams are getting five and a half points over under is 46 um i'm going with the rams i'm gonna take the points they're gonna be on my contest I believe, even though Cooper Cup probably won't play, even though they lost, I don't know how many defensive starters, um, even though the Rams had the worst season last year in Sean McVay's tenure as the Rams coach. But I still believe Stafford has another couple good years in the tank, left in the tank. Um, he is clearly the best quarterback in this game. I am not going to listen to Geno Smith being better than Matt Stafford yet. And... As much as I love Pete Carroll, I do think Sean McVay is the better coach. So they're going to give me five and a half points. They covered against the Seahawks last year with Baker Mayfield starting um, in the Seahawks in a must-win game. Um, part of that was because it was the end of the year and you know the tape got out on Geno Smith or film got out on Geno Smith and he started to regress by the end of the year. Uh, I do think... The Rams are uh, going to be able to keep this one close, at least close enough to cover because of the aforementioned edges at quarterback and coach. I'm ready for you to disagree with me. I mean, I'm not going to. I don't have a ton on this game. I don't love Seattle or the Rams, to be honest. I think it's possible that both of them miss the playoffs. So... I might actually be sort of with you on grabbing five and a half points because I, I don't know that there's five and a half points of difference between these two teams, especially in week one. Uh, I think attrition's going to eventually get to the Rams, who just I, I think the season has a real potential for LA to go pretty sideways. Um, but it's week one, so I don't. I actually don't hate the the five and a half with the Rams here. Okay, that's good to know. Hey. Um, I really was hoping you weren't going to fade me on that one, even though I'm going to the contest with it. So whatever, I'm, I'm down to take more action, whatever. Um, an NFC North game that I want no part of is the green Bay Packers visiting the Chicago bears. That line's down to the bears. Really? Really? It's just, you got to play the money line, right? Bears minus minus one fifteen on the money line Packers minus one Oh five. I think the Packers are going to win the division. Um, but their defense was terrible last year, especially against the run. So I do think Justin Fields and Herbert could have some success in this game. Um, and I do think the game is more important to the Bears than the Packers, even though it is a week one game and Jordan Love is, you know, starting the season as Green Bay starting quarterback. So he obviously wants to get off to a good start. But I don't know. Do you see any value in this game one way or the other? I, I, I kind of want to just fade the Bears. In general, um, I don't really love the Packers either, though. So puts me in a little bit of a tough spot. I probably stay away as well. 
but I guess I lean towards the Packers here because I just want to fade the Bears as much as possible. I want to fade Justin Fields as much as possible. Um, I think he continues to receive unbelievably positive press for really not any reason that I can put my finger on. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get all the love for the Bears in the preseason, the future market. Um, we talked about how Justin Fields has better MVP odds than a lot of guys, including uh, my two favorite quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, your favorite quarterback, Kirk Cousins. I think that's absurd. Um, I'm with you. So with that in mind, I probably should be fading the Bears, but something feels wrong about this game. And I'm, either way, like a coin flip on the road, that's that's getting to a fair number, right? It's kind of like, all right, what, what do you want me to do? Fair enough. So I'll go uh, – or uh, let's move, move along to an AFC West matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Denver Broncos. This is actually the other game that could be uh, rivaling the Tennessee Titans and, and Saints in terms of biggest coaching mismatches. This will be Sean Payton's uh, first uh, game on the sideline for Denver. Again, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites. They host the Raiders, minus 180 on the money line, under over-unders 44. This is another one that could end up on me and my brother's contest picks just because I think McDaniel sucks. I do. I don't I refresh my memory. You're not huge into Sean Payton, right? No, I hate, I hate Sean Payton. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't think you were a Sean Payton guy. But, I mean, you agree he's an upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett. Yes, but only – only because Nathaniel Hackett was absolutely one of the worst NFL head coaches who's ever graced a sideline. That's fair. Do you think Russell Wilson is washed? Um, good question. Yes. Man, that is a steep fall off of a cliff, right? Well, that's what happens though when I mean Russell, it's not that he's like a Lamar Jackson type. So he had a little bit more, but like he leaned a lot on athleticism, like whether it was not necessarily running or scrambling, but like getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run, like things that tend to break down quicker. I mean, there's a reason that the guys who stick around longer are the ones who are based on arm talent because you can stand in the pocket and deliver the ball until you're 40 years old. You're not going to be running around. And Aaron Rodgers has kind of developed a little bit of an old man game as they call it in you know, in basketball where he doesn't quite do as much of that as he did when he was younger, but he's found a way uh, to make it work as he's, as he's gotten older, Russell Wilson hasn't. And I think that's really the determining factor here is like, did Russell Wilson figure out how to play the old man game? And if the answer is no, then I, I think they're going to be terrible or, or he might not have it. Like he might just not be good enough at the things he needs to be good at. Um, in order to be successful. And I also think his teammates kind of fucking hate him. And that's just not where you want your quarterback to be. So, yeah, there's 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 too much negative around this team. Um, I don't love the Raiders either. But, again, I, I think there's just too much negative around the Broncos to give up a three and the hook. Yeah, they don't have a scary wide receiving room. Javante Williams comes back and I really liked him as a running back, but then again, you know, running backs don't matter.com. I have been anti Russell Wilson for a few years, so I'm not really going to defend him or push back on your 
um, comments about him being possibly washed. I do like Sean Payton. I do dislike Josh McDaniel, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bit underrated, and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams are as good of a wide receiver running back combo as there is. So, um, I don't know. I could, I, I, again, I could end up putting this in the contest with my brother uh, and I, our, uh, our entry, but I have nothing here for the Outkick Bets podcast listeners. The next game here I'm going to discuss is the Miami Dolphins at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers just favored a field goal at home. Over under is 51. Um, you grew up a Dolphins fan, but you're not that high into this, or not that um, sold on this team, at least with two under center and, and Mike McDaniel um, as the head coach. But are you going to go with the Chargers? Yeah, I like the Chargers in this one. Um, I just think they're better. And that's pretty much what it boils down to. But I'm I'm not I didn't I wrote up my picks this week. Um just I think I've given them all out through this point, but my official picks for the week are Tennessee plus three, Minnesota minus six, Cardinals commanders under thirty eight, and TJ Hawkinson over forty seven and a half yards. So anything else I've given out is sort of a you know, just thoughts for you to use and for listeners to use and do with that information what they will. Um, but if I were forced to pick this in some sort of, and I am in a lot of different NFL pools cause I just, I, I can't get enough NFL. I, I gotta, I think I'm in like five different year long NFL, either pools or fantasy, like all different, like fantasy football. I'm in like a spread pick them one where you pick every game against the spread every week. I'm in one where you pick select games and you get like specific points for it. I'm in one where you pick a new daily fantasy lineup every week. Like I'm in so many NFL related contests and pools and such. And so in those, in one of those where I had to pick this game, I did, I did pick the chargers and I feel fairly good about it, but not enough to lay any more money on it than just that lean. Cause I just think the chargers are better. And I think, you know, Vegas is essentially saying these teams are relatively equal, although LA's home field advantage is rather light. So maybe they're saying the Chargers are about a half a point to a point better than Miami. And I think the gap's bigger than that. Uh, some of the comments you made about um, the Rams, I think, apply here to the Chargers, mostly based on their injury luck. Like, I think as the season wears down or uh, progresses, there's a good chance that the Chargers get injured because they frankly always do but in week one like i like the chargers in this matchup they beat them last year um in prime time the chargers did when they hosted the dolphins a bunch of money came in on the dolphins um according to the betting splits that i look at the dolphins are a public dog so uh we know public dogs like to get slaughtered at least that's the uh that's the saying at least in sports and if i remember correctly like they the dolphins lost 23 17 and this was the one where the Dolphins only scored a touchdown because of that crazy Tyreek Hill fumble recovery. Like, they weren't going to score, essentially. Like, if Tyreek Hill just didn't make two ridiculous plays, like, they weren't going to score at all against the relatively weak Chargers defense. Now, again, part of betting on the Dolphins is you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on your side. Uh, but the fumble recovery was fluky, less of like, oh, Tyreek Hill doing Tyreek Hill things. I mean, it was, but again... That's not going to happen again. Yeah. And when you, know you play I'm talking about, like, is it that obviously I remember it super well. Did, does that ring a bell for you? That crazy I, play? I don't remember the Tyreek 
uh, Hill really? fumble okay, touchdown. So I, I, I had a, I had assumed that if I said that everyone would remember that because it was in prime time and it was like the Dolphins running back got stripped but like no one really saw it and Tyreek like ran up and grabbed it and then took it in from like sixty yards out. Go look I, it up; it's a fun play. I vaguely know what you're talking about, but I don't have anything else to add to that <laughs> that play or that moment. If I'm being well, honest, I just mean like that's how they scored, right? Like yeah. it was a fluke, like you know, it was a fluky situation that occurred and. I don't know that. Well, I know the 49ers locked up the Dolphins a week prior, and then Brandon Staley took some of that game plan, mixed in his own stuff and own personnel, and they also shut down the Dolphins. That was a really rough stretch for the Dolphins at that point of the year. Um, And Staley and the Chargers defense is more healthy this year, and they have more time to prep. So um, I'm with you in the sense of I lean towards the Chargers, but – uh, I don't see enough value in this number to to actually make a bet. Um, Sunday night football, my New York Giants host the Dallas Cowboys. I have the Giants in a teaser. Um, depending on how much I drink that day, I'll probably end up betting the Giants uh, come kickoff uh, because obviously I, I hate the Cowboys and I'm a Giants fan. And I'm high on the Giants in the second year under Dable. I think Dable and Daniel Jones are a better quarterback-coach combination than Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. Um, I think the Giants' defense is going to improve in its second year under Wink Martindale and with a bunch of talented players. A lot depends on the Giants' offensive line. Uh, or a lot of the Giants' playoff hopes and regular season hopes rely on the Giants' offensive line improving. If it doesn't, they could get absolutely destroyed this game. And the Cowboys typically have or have had the Giants number over the last few seasons, so I'm definitely concerned about that. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have it in teaser, and I'm probably going to be drinking. I'm probably going to bet my Giants come Sunday night. So that's what I'm on right now, or that's what I'm thinking. I thought about betting the Giants in my article. Um, and making it one of my official plays this week. And I didn't. And I'll tell you why. Well, there's a few things. Number one, I do think Dallas is going to regress this year, but they have just been absolutely dominant against the spread in the past two seasons, like ridiculously dominant against the spread. Um, Daniel Jones is bad in primetime, like really bad, like well, you're making a face, but like I, I didn't even know him. that, but I I believe you know that you're saying that. Oh, he's bad. Like it's like I'll look it up. I had it earlier today. I was because I was thinking about it, and I was like, I remember that there was something with Daniel Jones in prime time. Part of me was like, wait, is he good in prime time? Oh no, 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 quite au contraire, he is not good in prime time. I believe he's one in nine in night games in his career. Is that bad? Yeah, it's bad. He's he's bad. Like and and the numbers aren't. And, you know, I, I don't always like to do – not all, I don't always. I don't love to do, like, win losses. Like, because, you know, the Giants have whatever. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so he's, he's 0-6 on Monday, 0-4 on Thursday, and 0-1 on Saturday. He has he does have one Sunday night victory. Uh, he's 1-9 late, as described by uh, football reference. Afternoon, so 425 or later, he's 2-8. Daniel Jones is 17, 15, and 1 in 
the early afternoon window and three and 17 in games that come after that. It's not great. His completion percentage drops from 65 to 61. Um, in night games, he's thrown 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. His passer rating is 74, even though it's 90 in the early. Like, it, it's it's not fluky that the Giants have, like, that his record is 1-9 and nine in night games because the stats back it up. He's been terrible. So that was the reason. That is the literally the only thing that kept me from getting to the window with this game. I'm looking at that, and you are right. It's pretty it's rough. It's bad. It's pretty no, it's rough. Bad. I get the yeah. only thing I'll say is that the Giants, because they're a New York team and they're popular, they have been scheduled in far too many primetime games against good teams that they've frankly had no chance of beating. Um, okay, but this is a good team. Yeah, yeah. That's no. That's that's a fair point that I knew I was talking myself right into. <laughs> no, that's fair. I just think the Giants are going to be good this year. Um, I think they're going to improve. Uh, we already talked about this in the NFC East preview, and you just kind of go back to the thing that I said about the Bengals Browns, where it's like home dogs in Week One in division are fifteen and two against the spread over the last ten years. You just just kind of blindly bet that, and you'll you're gonna be making money. But if you just blindly bet against the Giants in prime time over the last five years, four years, you'd, you'd be making money too. So we'll see. I'm trying to remember because I remember it was a big deal uh, when Daniel Jones finally won a game. Oh yeah, they beat the Commanders. That was the only team he's beaten in prime time. <laughs> last year's Commanders. It was last year too. So he was zero and eight in terms. He was zero nine. Oh, it was 0-9 going into that Commanders game, which was a – which game was that? I, you would know. Um, I mean, I can pull it up real quick. December 18th. So what day of the week was that? It must have been a Sunday night game, right? Had to have been. The Commanders – you said it was week 14? It had to be. It was December 18th. It had to be Sunday night because he has never won on a Monday or a Thursday. So there's there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, it was last Sunday night. Was that – didn't something crazy happen too um, in that game? The Giants won 20 to 12. I'm looking for the crazy thing or the thing that wasn't there like a pass inter- Wasn't there like a pass interference that was controversial? Oh, yeah. They, they said that there should have been a pass interference on Terry McLaurin in the end zone, but then that was the same play that someone, I think, ripped Kayvon Thibodeau's, like, face mask. I remember me and you talking about that, right, where it was kind of like, oh, uh, most of the people, their takeaway was, like, oh, it was, it was BS that Terry McLaurin didn't get a uh, personal or a pass interference penalty, but then me and you were both like, well, Kayvon Thibodeau got held egregiously two seconds before that. But, yeah, there was controversy that. at the end of the year and or at the end of the game and, like, the Washington Commanders did get the ball in the end zone down by one score at the end of regulation. So it was a very close game. Yeah. And Jones didn't play particularly well either. Like he went 21 for 32 with 160 yards. That's five yards per attempt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look who he's thrown it to. Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, but like you can't even use that because he had success in like every other game last year. I mean, they won. Many games the Giants win last year? Nine? Uh, Nine and seven, right? Nine, seven, and one? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, that was a really long way to say that I just could not get to the window with Daniel Jones in primetime. 
I would tease it if I were you guys, but eh, whatever. Let's go to the next New York football team, the Jets, in that very same building. The next night, Monday Night Football hosts the Buffalo Bills. Um, the Bills are favored two and a half, minus 142 on the money line. I love the Jets here. I do. Outside of quarterback, Jets are better at, I would say, every position. Not wide receiver. Nah, I love Garrett Wilson, but Stefan Dick is obviously better than him. But Gabe Davis sucks. I think Alan Lazard, just by being Aaron Rodgers' boy, is a better is a better, you know, will have more production or is a better number two wide receiver. Um, both offensive lines suck. I think the Jets defense is gonna be the best, if not the second best in the league, behind the San Francisco 49ers. You can copy and paste whatever I said about home dogs in division here in this game. Um, and I just back the Colts, you coward. Nope, no way. And I just think the the Jets thing is going to work in week, uh, um, in year one of the Aaron Rodgers, um, acquisition or, or, or era. So I'm taking the points with the Jets. Uh, I'm not going to end up using it as a teaser, like I don't think, because that'll be the end of the, the, the betting week. But I like the Jets plus the points here. Thought. Robert Sala thinks that Eagles and Crows get into fights and that Eagles win by flying way too high up in the air, which is false. So I will not back him to do anything um, because he believes such silliness. Um, I like the Bills. I think the Jets are overhyped and overrated. The Bills are still the Bills. It's game one with Rodgers and a new offense playing in front of the New York crowd uh, on Monday night. Uh, too much hype. Uh, the Bills... I think are going to win this game. <laughs> oh, God damn you, Dan. Um, th- thanks for joining my NFL week one full slate betting breakdown. You're in a mid season form already, Dan fading two of my picks all while crapping on my beloved New York giants quarterback, Daniel Jones and ESPN analytics. Uh, people could check you out weekly. Uh, giving out picks on outkick.com backslash betting. Also, they can follow you on Twitter at RealDanZach. That's on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And let's get over to my uh, new friend of here of the Outkick Bets podcast, Fox News and business contributor Scott Martin. All right, I'm going to bring in my main man from Fox News, Scott Martin, and we're starting a week-by-week segment that we like to call Barking Dogs because Scott has built a math and info-based NFL betting model that's been very successful for him over the past couple of years. So let me bring in Scott, and he can give you a little rundown on that, and then we're going to talk about the games that he likes. Scott, thanks for joining the Outkick Bets podcast. I'm happy to finally get you on. Jeff, thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming, COVID and whatnot, and so I'm glad we could connect on this. And it's totally a very, like you said, data-driven, math-driven, uh, a little bit of feel, I guess, somewhat, as there always is in gambling and things like that. But effectively, it's a model that drives itself on public unfavor and dogs, like you said, dogs that are just these hardest bets, Jeff, to go up to the window and make, the, the bets that make you feel so icky inside and feel like there's no chance in the world that they're going to win but they actually pull it off because nobody is on that side except for some of the sharps in some cases. So that's what we're looking at with these barking dogs that sometimes are wild and rabid in the sense too. 
Yeah. Now, me and you obviously talked a little bit beforehand, um, and I got a bit of a feel on how you your process and the the the, the long uh, or the short of it is essentially you want to get on the same side as the house or the sports books because those are who typically wins, and you're doing so with a bunch of information and and uh, data driven analysis. Um, I am curious though, how. Um, tightly do you bet alongside your model? Like how often do you veto, veto it and how often do you go with it? 100% veto it never. Because here's the deal. The, the way this works, it's a, it's a volume play. I mean, you do have to suffer through some slings and arrows to give a Shakespearean reference, a slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, if you may, may, may say, or, or dis, outrageous disfortune. I mean, there's some times that things are barren. It's, it's a desert. But then if you miss that one play that's either a money line bet, Jeff, that's like a plus 250 or a plus 350 that you play the spread and the money line on a dog, man, that makes up for a, a couple of stinky weekends, let's say. So you really have to stay on it in the sense of if you're going to be a dog's, uh, a barking dog's petter, let's say, if you're going to pet those dogs and come up and be friends with them, you got to stay on those guys and gals because the reality is, is that that's a volume play. And so you're just waiting for a few of these to hit to make it work for you. Absolutely. And, you know, since week one, we're effectively telling the Scott Martin gambling origin story here um, or sports betting origin story here. So can you give the listeners a little bit of background on you and why I think your pedigree sets you up for long term success in sports betting? I've been a data fueled guy, I guess, since since I really got out of college, Jeff. I studied econ in college, studied statistics, of course. And have been in the financial planning, wealth management business for now 25 years. Like you mentioned, a contributor on, on Fox News, Fox Business, going on about 15, if you can believe it. And uh, I can't even believe it. But the reality <laughs> is that we look at data nonstop. I mean, in stocks, in bonds, in other portfolio holdings, it, it's data related. It's valuation. It's where capital flows are. It's money flows in the market with stocks and anything. So we're trying to buy, as we are uh, with stocks and with some of our other investment uh, procedures and, and, and prospects, we're trying to buy things that are basically undervalued. We're trying to take advantage of a perceived market dislocation. And that's what I believe comes through in a lot of these 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 betting practices. And it's not just football, but working on it with, with, with baseball, basketball, the NCAA tournament, of course, you know, really fun times that the public gets very well involved, which is great, but also gets overloaded on favorites, on bets that look like these shoe-ins, these easy ones, because here's the key. Just like stocks, my friend, the market adjusts. The spread is there for a reason. The spread is there for an equalizer. And so to say that everybody's got this great lean and that lean and this lean, there's probably that. I understand that. But the market knows a lot more than maybe we perceive. And it's the same way with investments. And so you have to dig in a little further to see some, say, historical patterns to realize, okay, if that looks like it's too good to be true, it probably is. And therefore, you go to the other side and otherwise uh, so forth on the other side, too. If it looks too easy, it's probably not one to take. Right. Yeah. I mean, that kind of um, goes in line with part of how I think about sports betting or looking for value, at least in a uh, handicap in the NFL. It's, you know, I, I look for those line movements. And if I can reverse engineer why that line moved a certain way, that'll push me in one direction or the other on a certain game. So uh, I appreciate and uh, I, I think there's value in a lot of what you just said. Also, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your again, stock market pedigree and financial, um, financial like analysis background helps you bring like a, a robotic, 
um, approach to this, which which is what you need. You can't have any like the worst thing for for a gambler to do is to really be a fan. So you going about it in an analytical way, I think, is is, is definitely the best way to approach NFL uh, handicapping. You would agree as with that, it right? is, Yes, as it is with almost, almost relationships, Jeff, in our personal lives. You know, yep. you almost have to take, which sounds crazy, but it's like you have to turn emotions off sometimes. You have to get very practical. I Like you said, it's almost like a robotic where, Jeff, I mean, during the NCAA tournament, for example, when I, when I run a similar strategy, I don't watch all the games, man. I, I, I let them just play out. Uh, the bets are the bets because that's what the data feed says. And I go to bed sometimes, you know, I, I take a night off and just don't watch because I believe in the system. I believe in the process. I believe in the data over time. And I have to play the games that the data or the model says I have to play. And I'm telling you from the data output and from the statistics of how successful or how not successful it is, it tells me so that I will be successful if I play those games that it tells me to play. Do you have a, a limit or a minimum of games you're willing to play in a week? No, I'll play them all if I can, <laughs> if they suggest so. Yeah, I just because it's volume. I think the more volume you get and the bigger the subset of data is, just like in financial engineering and, and, and financial management, the more data that you can get into a system, the more reliable it's going to be because you're going to have a bigger base of numbers from which to pull. Absolutely. Well, we should be hurting a lot of barking dogs this season with you. Am I right? I mean – the NFL is the be a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, and how long have you been, have you been firing on this NFL model that you have? I have data on the NFL back to about eight years. Okay. So eight this... years over the last, say, since it's about 2015 roughly. And then this will be the, the ninth season roughly. So it's, it's pretty good. I mean, there's a good subset of data there. Awesome. All right, man. Well, let's quit be- beating around the bush and get into the picks. I mean, that's what the people came for. Um, you know, we got a, a, a bunch of, uh, info on your background and, and I'm jacked up to hear what you got and let's see if any of our picks align. So, um, you gave me this ahead of time, the bucks plus six right now, um, visiting the Minnesota Vikings. That's pretty much the market number. Uh, we're going to go with just DraftKings right now. So, um, kind of give me some insight here and, and what, what your model's saying. Yeah, a, a lot of hype on the Vikings to kind of start the year. The Vikings are one of my favorite sports teams out there, really, in the landscape. But that doesn't mean anything, as we said, about taking emotion out of it. And and I know the team pretty well with respect to kind of what I think they're going to do and just how they're looking. But reality is, hey, we have the spread for that to tell us what they're going to do. And like you said, it's a six-point favorite on the Vikings, and the Bucks are getting six. And they're coming in with Baker Mayfield, a kind of unsettled, I'd say, quarterback situation, um, really an unsettled offensive situation into a team, Jeff, that just seems to be a little overrated to me. I mean, Vikings are all offense. They are not defense. I know Brian Flores is there now, but that's a new system that's going to take time, especially when you don't have a lot of talent, let's say, on defense to work with because they frankly don't. And so it's going to be a shootout, I believe. The numbers show you from the totals roughly about 45 and a half, 46, that there's going to be a lot of scoring. And so in a game like this, especially where a lot of the public, a ton of it by, by certain measurements, You've got 65 to 70% of the public on this one. You've got the dogs, like I said, in Tampa Bay getting six points, pretty strong, six and a half at some other spots. I think that's something where you take the dog here, especially in a high-scoring game, because of the fact that this game feels like it's going to be a field goal at the end of it. And so I always sprinkle a little bit on the money lines, too, when I when I take these dogs, because there's that multiplier effect. There's a little bit of leverage on the, on the money line that does come through also. But the fact of 
the, getting the six points week one against a team that, that, that Tampa's facing that could totally fall flat on their face, whether it's defense or maybe struggle a little bit on offense with Adam Thielen gone, with Dalvin Cook gone. I still like the Bucks here to come against the public uh, facade and take this one. Yeah, I like how you're putting your money where your mouth is on the um, on the whole point of where you're not you're not getting emotions involved with your betting because, like you said, you are a Vikings fan, but yet here in Week One you're firing on the Bucks, which were a seven and ten team, obviously um, completely different team now that Tom Brady has retired. So again, right out of the gate, you're firing on the logic over emotion angle, and I love that. Yes, and it's a team that's going to be tough to bet on this year. Let's face it, especially a tough team to bet on in week one where we don't know a ton about them as far as the Bucks go. But that is where value is, my friends, and that is where I believe that this is a great one to play where the Vikings can win this game. Don't get me wrong, but still, I believe Tampa's going to hang around. They're going to penetrate that Vikings defense. And the Vikings offense, again, has some changes that it's made. It has some adjustments. And so I believe that just even the fact that Vikings are home, sure, they maybe carry a lead most of the game. But the Bucks could come at the end here and steal this one. And so I like the spread here on the Bucks, and I like a little bit of the sprinkle, sprinkle on the money line too. Yeah, the Bucks are definitely one of the most unpopular teams in the betting market. Uh, head coach Todd Bowles is coming into the season on the hot seat. He's expected to be one of the first head coaches fired. Baker Mayfield is not expected to return as the starting quarterback next year. It seems to be what the market would consider a rebuilding season for the Buccaneers. So everyone is running away from them. The betting splits back that up. No one likes Tampa Bay. Um, but I also see value in the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're going to be one of my circa million picks in the contest this week. Um, because outside of quarterback, I think the Bucks are better at, outside of quarterback and wide receiver. I think the the Bucks are better at every other position. And the, the wide receiver, uh, battle is kind of more of a toss-up. I mean, everyone will agree Justin Jefferson is top three, if not top two in the business, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are awesome. And the Bucks defense... A great one, too, Mike, Mike, Mike Evans and Godwin. Good yeah. point. Yeah, and the Bucks defense, when healthy, stacked. They dealt with just a crazy amount of injury issues, both on the offensive line and throughout the defense last year. And like you said, the Vikings, their defense has really no teeth. They gave up the fifth most points per game last year. So I think the Bucks are going to be able to move the ball and keep it within the number. So I'm with you on that one for sure. And I think that's one too that, like I said, could be a very close game to begin with. The Vikings could go ahead 14-0, but as typical Vikings fashion, the Bucks will be let back in the game and they only need to cover six, maybe six and a half, depending on where you're putting your bets down. That's one I will take all day and twice this Sunday. All right, we got another one that we're aligned on here, your next pick on, on the week one slate. Uh, you're looking at a, a home divisional dog here with the Browns plus two and a half hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Give us some insight on what your model thinks or what you're seeing in this game. Love me some home divisional dogs, my friend, especially in week one. I grew up in Ohio. It's a sibling rivalry, to say the least, between the Bengals and Browns. And so, Jeff, we're looking at taking the Browns plus two and a half uh, against the Bengals here. As you mentioned, a home dog, a team like the Bengals that is a huge public favorite and should be a, a very pretty, gorgeous team. Burroughs had a couple injury things, of course, had them last year. And then also a team that the Bengals seem like they, they seem impenetrable. They seem like they're destined to go back to the Super Bowl Super Bowl for the, the second time in, in a few years. And it's one of those things where this is a perfect setup 
for obviously to trick the public into thinking this is a walkover. It's under a field goal, so it looks super easy on the board. And for the public to walk in and just place everything they got on the Bengals. But not so fast because of the fact that this is the chance for the Browns to reestablish who they are as the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson is going to be back. We've obviously got components like Nick Chubb and some of the other fellows that are supporting him. The defense is very good, Miles Garrett, etc. And so you just have a team that, to me, Jeff, besides the public uh, disfavor, let's say, on the Browns, and besides the fact that we are getting points as a home dog, and it is a sibling rivalry being the state of Ohio and a divisional rivalry, this is a chance for the Browns just to step this one up and put it in everybody's faces. And I think from the spread amount being still kind of low here, it tells you that they're probably going to have a close game. And then secondarily, again, on the money line, where you've got a chance to leverage some of those assets on the Browns running outright, if it stays a close game for most of the game, as I think it will, I really like this play. Yeah, as me and Dan talked about earlier in this podcast, over the last 10 years, Scott, home dogs in division games week one are 15-2 and two against the spread. Wow. With, and, they're, and they're covering the spread by an average of 8.7 points per game. So... And we've got like about what, Jeff, 40%, maybe 35% of the money on Cleveland on that home dog. I mean, let's look at the stats and guide us. Just like we talked about data, that to me makes makes me like Cleveland even more here. Yeah, and to kind of infuse some more like football analysis into your um, your 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 modeling and, and your just logic, general betting um, logic you're you're applying here is Joe Burrow is a one in four straight up versus the Browns in his career. And that's not an accident because Cleveland's front office did a really good job to build a defense with Burrow in mind, knowing knowing they would have to face him twice a year. So they have, when healthy, of course, and you could say this about a lot of teams, but when healthy, they have three strong cornerbacks and two above average safeties. And then Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, has eight sacks in his five career meetings against Joe Burrow. So I'm with you. I think the football analysis backs up the Browns getting some points at home. I'm high on the Browns coming into this season. So yes. I'm, I'm yes, loving what too. your model's spitting out. I think it's great. And how much is Miles Garrett going to love chasing around maybe a gimpy Joe Burrow out there? And this means a lot more, Jeff, to the Browns than it does the Bengals. The Bengals lose this game. It's okay. It was a division opener. We're getting our, our, our sea legs. We're getting our feet under us, pun intended. And they go to Cleveland, and maybe they lose a close game. Fine. But to the Browns, this is a revolutionizer. This is the rebirth of the Cleveland Browns in the Deshaun Watson era. And I believe this is going to happen because of a lot of those circumstances and the data that backs it up. But it feels like that kind of story is going to matriculate on Sunday. Yeah, you know, like last year, there's there's a slow start potential for the Bengals with Burrow missing a bunch of offseason uh, training camp activity with a calf injury. Last year was an appendix. So... I'm with you on that one. Um, let's get into your, your last look here on the week one card. Um, another dog in division, this time on the road, Carolina Panthers, when Bryce Young's uh, NFL debut are getting three and a half points as they uh, visit the football hipster community favorite, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, what are your What is your model saying here? Or I guess I've already probably uh, told everyone it's called barking dogs, but why do you like the Panthers? The Panthers are rabid barking dogs on Sunday, my friend. I mean, I will just tell you, I, I love the Panthers uh, because a lot of people hate them. Number one is a shocker. Uh, the public data says so. And, and just the overall sentiment kind of indicators say that as well about the, the Falcons are this are this new prom queen of the NFC South. 
Uh, and I don't know if there's any prom queens that are going to come out of that division. They might. It might be the Saints, in fact. But the reality is the, the, the Falcons seem like that team that everybody wants to jump on early because they're going to be this, this serendipitous uh, takeover in Atlanta. And all of a sudden they're going to get their you-know-what together and become this standout team. I just don't believe it. I think there's just as much inexperience or, or, or quite a bit uh, as much inexperience as there is on the Falcons, as there is on the Panthers. You mentioned with, with Bryce Young. Um, his film has been pretty good. Nobody has seen him playing an NFL game yet. Obviously, a real one, that is, non-preseason. But that doesn't matter because he's going to be in the Falcons, in the Georgia Dome, in the Falcons' home, playing his first road game, which is going to be tough. I mean, they could go down early, believe me, because it's going to be a shocker. It's going to be loud in there. The Falcons fans are going to be ravenous. But I still believe that if you look at the spread on this thing, only at three points as far as Falcons favored, that to me is a trap. That's another setup by Vegas to say, hey, we're going to dangle this thing at maybe a field goal, maybe a little less so that you can come in, maybe spend a little extra money and buy it down to two and a half and feel really, really good about your bet if you're playing the Falcons. But I think this is a Panthers win and certainly a Panthers beat on the spread. So I love the Panthers here. I was I was locked in on the Panthers, or at least I was um, anticipating being locked in on the Panthers plus the points in this matchup. But Frank Reich, uh, the new head coach of the Panthers, has struggled in week one. At least he did for the Indianapolis Colts. So <laughs> yes, that's that's yes. that's what scared me. He's 0-4-1 straight up and against the number uh, in week one, uh, again, as the, the Colts coach. And I am so... I have so much disagreement with a lot of sharp football betting minds about the Falcons. I personally think they're going to suck, but a lot of people, um, a lot of people are backing them and buying stock in them. So that disagreement has frankly scared me off. Um, if I had the model that you had, I'd probably be more willing to fire on the Panthers. Um, and the other thing that I mentioned within our NFC South preview earlier this summer is this is actually a soft landing spot for Bryce Young. You got to think this is the Mercedes. There's playing in the Mercedes Superdome in in Atlanta, which is where they they play the SEC title game. So Bryce Young has played in bigger games in this stadium. And why why I think it's an even softer landing spot is because the Falcons had a bottom I don't know five to eight defense in the NFL last year, and they played mostly backups. So I think Bryce Young. Uh, could get the ball moving down the field. Not like the Panthers' defense, but it's not going to make one of my top five picks. Yeah, and it could be one of those low-scoring, kind of boring games back and forth that I like getting points in for sure, even though it's only three points. You mentioned about the Mercedes-Benz Dome, the fact that Bryce Young has been there. He's been in bigger games. It's been a louder crowd. I've been to Falcons games, Jeff, in the last couple of years. It's not that loud in there, shockingly, because the team hasn't been that good. They're not going to be that impressed with the team on Sunday. So that's why I don't think it's going to be that loud and that distracting. You mentioned the comments about Frank Reich, and you're totally right. Those numbers look absolutely horrible. Different team, different situation, different scenario. But I like when you talk about those statistics because, listen, a lot of those statistics over the course of time, if you give them time, if you play the data points as we talked about the volume of data here, those will mean revert, meaning they'll go back to a more normal trend line. So as long as we weren't getting uh, pained by that, that Frank Reich, uh, uh, record so far, which we haven't been. We haven't been doing any Frank Reich stuff yet as far as this this podcast goes. I'm fine to jump on the Frank Reich horse and ride it on Sunday to think that some of those stats, which are outlandish, they're totally crazy as to how he's done in week one, for example, those should re mean revert over time. And I think we're getting a little bonus here with getting a couple extra points on Carolina. I have this one at plus one, maybe for Carolina instead of a, a, a plus three. So I like the extra points and I'll take them. Oh, no. Well, that's pretty... 
that's a solid bet then in the sense that, I mean, if you're getting it through the key number of three up to three and a half and it's two and a half points off your, your model's projections, you almost have to fire on that. Um, and, and and even take the money line if you can. So there you go. You take a, take a twofer. Absolutely. And the, and the pushback that you would have about Frank Reich's week one uh, performance over the last five seasons is pretty simple. The Colts started with a brand new st- uh, quarterback under center week one for every one of his seasons there. So it makes sense that he struggled the way, out the had gate. No talent, and the quarterback had no talent either. So that was the other quick little thing is like Frank Rice, this quarterback whisper. Sure. He is. But when the quarterback doesn't have a lot of talent, like Bryce young does, for example, who does have talent, right. there's a little probably different outcome that happens. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. He had Andrew Luck his first year. Andrew Luck was coming back from an injury. But he was coming back from a major injury, yes. Second year, Andrew Luck retired two weeks before the start of the season, so they had Jacoby Brissett. He was out, yes, out. Third season, they had Phillip Rivers, and frankly, that was just an all-out choke. They lost to Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. That was a weird one. Horrible. Um, The following year, they you know lost at home, but it was Carson Wentz. Uh, who's no longer in the league, and they played Russell Wilson, who was cooking with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, last year was obviously just a dumpster fire. Frank Reich holds some of that, but I put that more in the Indianapolis Colts front office. So, again, I'm not going to play it, but I I love your analysis, and um, and I respect the pick for sure. I, I, I believe in it, and, and I, there's a lot of barking dogs, a lot of – rabid wild dogs on Sunday, Jeff. These are just the three that I picked off right off the top. I mean, these are the, the cream and the cherries on top of the Sunday, but there's a lot of great dogs on Sunday. So if anybody's ever thinking about, you know, what other dogs are out there and whatnot, they can always email us, of course. But the reality is, is there's a lot of neat stuff out there on Sunday. Week one, week two, week three is just the betting market and, and, and the public and the sharps, of course, figuring out where things are. And that is where I find some of the biggest opportunity right now, my friends, is when these lines and these misperceptions are exactly that misperceived. That's when we can really take advantage of really some uh, some nice line movement and some nice line gifts for uh, everybody that's out there betting. Well, dude, I got to be honest. I, I love your data-driven analysis and your excitement is contagious. So I'm looking forward to having you back here uh, next week. But where can people follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Markets, S-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-R-K-E-T-S. And that's on Twitter, which is not going to let us say anymore. I guess it's X now. It'll always be Twitter to me because I love that little birdie. But uh, it's on X now at Scotty Markets, S-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-R-K-E-T-S, or see me on Fox News or Fox Business throughout the week. Love it. Yeah, check out Scotty Markets for financial advice and for some NFL gambling advice. Thanks for listening to the Outkick Bets podcast. Follow me at Jeffrey Clark and underscore uh, or Jeff at Jeffrey underscore Clark on Twitter. Excuse me. The podcast just at out at, at Outkick Bets, and then again, um, our Barking Dogs uh, special guest Scott Martin at Scotty Markets. Thanks for joining us, homies. Or uh, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for joining me, Scott. Until next week, peace. peace.